Welcome to the Tiki Paranormal Podcast with your hosts, Jen and Joe. Hello, all my listeners. How are you? We miss you. Uh, it's been a week since we talked to you. <laughs> but anyways, here we are again at Michigan Paragon. It is an amazing event, uh, as always, every year. It's good to be back. I yes. know. Yeah, it's so great to see everybody and all our friends that we've seen before and all the celebrities are here again. And so great to meet new people as well. Yeah. And one of the new people that we met is... Eric Garcia. He's a YouTube content creator that travels all over and does awesome videos. Yeah, so like some of his videos is The Conjuring 3 versus the original TV movie. He's done the Texas Museum prison tour. You know, he does a video on, on tarot reading, which was really interesting. And then, you know, there's so many of them. It's over 70 videos That's of him great. traveling around. So awesome. I'm and jealous. Yes, we're very jealous. jealous. <laughs> but let's welcome to the show, Eric Garcia. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it was great. So what brings you to Michigan Paracon? Um, just the, honestly, the amazing uh, guest list. You know, because I was telling people, uh, friends of mine, I'm, right now I live in California, and I'm working on moving to Texas. So I was telling friends of mine, you know, yeah, I'm going to a Paracon, and right away I have to explain to them, because they're going to be like, what's a Paracon? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's a, a Comic-Con, but for ghost hunters. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. And then without explaining who everyone was, I said, basically, for all the stuff that I'm into, this has a killer lineup of guests. Mm-hmm. You know, basically all the people from the Travel Channel. I watch all these shows on Discovery Plus anyway. So I'm like, and I was explaining to him, I think because last year everything was shut down, because usually the draw at these conventions will get one or two people from one of these shows, and they've got everybody now because everything was closed down last year. So I'm like, okay, this is a one-time opportunity to see so many people in one weekend. I got to fly out here. And I flew into Detroit last night, drove 350 miles here overnight, (laughs) not last night, night before, drove all the way down here overnight, got here in the morning, I was like half asleep. I'm like, yay, I made it. So uh, yeah, just the... The, the, uh, this is a huge convention also. I was really surprised. Like, Usually it's like one big room, but yeah. this is like all over the place. Yeah. yeah. The entire, we take over the entire casino. Wait like till it. tomorrow night when the party hits. Really? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Look out. <laughs> Look out. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I may bust a move on the dance floor. <laughs> I may or may not. Then right? I will be here. <laughs> For sure. So tell us, you know, being a social media influencer what exactly does that mean what's that represent and, and what are you doing with that uh, how'd you get into that uh well a lot of it uh i really have to change that title i put on my business card influencer after a while i'm just like wow that sounds so vain <laughs> um i'm gonna i prefer now to think of it as a content creator you know i'm gonna put that on my cards from now on instead of influencer uh but basically it's uh just pretty much what it sounds like if Whatever you're into, you know, there's always an influencer or there's a content creator for that. And for me, uh, it's my channel delves a little bit into the paranormal, okay. but it's really more what I, uh, it's a, my own unique niche, what I call paranormal travel. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, that's why I named it Wild Card Journeys. Um, actually, originally when I started the channel, I was teaching how to read tarot cards because I read tarot cards. Okay. So the name Wild Card is a nod towards the channel's beginning. And then what is a wild card? It could be anything. So that way I can make a video if I want about cryptids or ghosts or UFO or a really cool roadside attraction or the first time I've been to a new country. 
And the journeys is not just a physical journey at the travel itself, but personal journeys, you know, checking one off the bucket list, uh, trying something I've never done before, you know, breaking that, going, getting past that fear uh, yeah. threshold. So it's wild card journeys, and it's really like it's a personal scrapbook for me at this point. That's why I enjoy it. Now, did you break through that personal journey uh, going over the biggest <laughs> suspension bridge in North America? Uh, How'd you do on driving over the big bridge? Um, I didn't really know about the bridge until oh. I was driving across it. And I remember thinking, wow, this is a pretty big bridge. And then I'm like, wow, Five this is a really long. big bridge. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, okay, I'll make it. And then I remember hearing about it. Oh, yeah, we got the biggest bridge. I'm like... Wow, this is a big... So, yeah, it was cool. I yeah, liked it. I'm definitely afraid of that bridge. This is how I do I just cover my eyes. I'm like, well, and also, my brother drive. And <laughs> I also... I drove it at night. I, I got oh, in around okay. 9.30 at night. Okay. I got into here, this town, about yeah. 4.35 in the morning. So, I didn't oh, see anything. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, so, I'm looking forward to the drive back to Detroit so mm -hmm. I can really see the countryside. Yeah. yeah. Michigan's beautiful. It is. Oh. It's amazing, amazing. Yeah, I got a very good friend from here. And I'm like... I texted him a few minutes ago. I'm like... Nobody told me it rains in Michigan. <laughs> I was assured of sunny weather. And he's like, typical Michigan boy. We get all four seasons in one day. Exactly, yeah. right? I'm like, okay. For sure. That, that makes sense. What part um, of California are you in? Uh, right now I live in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. I was actually born there, but my mom is from Oklahoma. So my parents took us, to, after I was born, they took us and raised us in Oklahoma and everywhere in between. So basically I tell people, I introduce myself as a Mexican from Oklahoma that likes disco. Oh. So that way they know I, I'm, I got issues from the get-go. <laughs> just wondered. I used to live in Los Angeles yeah. many years ago. Yeah, I live in uh, Studio City. Oh, okay. Right there in Great. San Fernando yeah. Valley. I was right off of Hollywood Boulevard, like literally a block, right behind the theater. Oh, okay. Cedar. Oh, okay. And then I would go down to Huntington Beach every weekend and just hang out at the beach all weekend with my friends. But I loved it. It was time of my life. That's what, you know, going with your journey theme mm -hmm. that was like turning 29 i didn't want to live in toledo anymore i'm like pack my stuff and i moved to la yeah. right it's talking about culture shock right like i'm small town girl big city <laughs> and right now i'm at the stage where i'm kind of the reverse i've okay. lived in la almost mm -hmm. 20 years now and i'm working on moving to texas okay. and because when i've gone out there it's it's a lot like where i grew up in oklahoma mm -hmm. and it's just a different lifestyle it's a different yeah. world for from sure. California, and that's kind of like what I, I'm more comfortable with now. You know, I, I like that type of food, the environment, the people, everything. So that's what I'm ready. I'm ready to leave the big city yeah. and go back to what I think is normal. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Tell us one of your just amazing, fun journeys that you went on. Like, besides coming to this Paracon. Okay. Um, yeah, this is definitely some fun things you've done. You know, what I, what I mentioned to someone earlier, it's like, you know, these conventions, this is the biggest one I've been to. I've been to a few of them. This is the biggest one I've been to. But it, what struck me is that everyone's so friendly. Yeah. Everyone, you know, if you think about the subject matter of what everyone's here for, we go into scary places and we'll mm -hmm. do, hope to speak to ghosts or find Bigfoot in the woods, all these scary situations. But everyone here is so friendly, joking, and it's, it's great. Um, but as far as, um, well, I've got a couple. It's not so much, I didn't run into anything, but it was such a personal journey for me on so many levels. And it, it really encompassed everything about my channel. And it's one, it's one of my personal favorites of the videos I've made. And just the backstory on it, I'm like, i got to do this because no one else has told the story. So I did a video on the Devil's Highway. Okay. And a quick synopsis of that is... There's actually, there was a highway numbered Route 666. Yeah. And 
the way that came about, I had seen videos here and there on YouTube that talked a little bit about it, but they really didn't go in depth. And no one actually went down to the highway and filmed from there. So I'm like, I'm going to do something about that. Okay. So the highway starts in New Mexico. Can't think of the name of the town off the top of my head. It's a small town in New Mexico, uh, right off of Route 66. Now it goes from there up into Cortez, Colorado, then cuts over into Mendocino, Utah, and ends there. Okay. So, but the backstory behind it, Route 66 that we all know and are familiar with was originally called Route 60. And uh, back then they only numbered highways with a zero that ended in zero if it went coast to coast. So this one ended in Chicago, obviously. So a lot of these East Coast states had an issue with that. So finally the government was like, okay, we'll change it. They gave 60 to another highway and they changed this one to Route 66 that we all know now. Mm -hmm. Now, before they did this, this highway had some major extensions that went north and south. And in Mexico, it was in that small town, and so that was the sixth major extension. So back then, before they changed it, it that extension was called Route 660, which meant it was the sixth major extension off of Route 60. But when they changed it to Route 66, that became Route 666. Oh, okay. And you can even look it up on old maps, and I tracked it down for my video. There are old maps that show Route 666. And I thought this was a fascinating story because all along uh, that route, there have been like terrible accidents and deaths and all these other strange stories that come around that part. Okay. And I'm like, this is interesting. But what caught, really caught my attention is that it cuts through the Ute Indian Reservation in northern New Mexico. And why I find that interesting, because I'm Native American myself. Uh, my mom's a Chickasaw. Okay. So any, anytime there's a Native American angle I can put to a story, I'm like, awesome. You know, I, I love that. And what I found interesting is the section that it goes through, there's a mountain range there, and it's called Sleeping Ute Mountain Range. And if you look at it from the highway at a certain angle, it looks like a man is laying down sleeping. Yeah. Oh, and so wow. this mountain range is very sacred to the tribe because their tribal legend is it was once a great warrior chief who fell in battle battling some great evil ones. And when he died, his blood became the rivers and streams in the area. Oh, you know, okay. and the changing of the seasons is him changing his blankets. No, you no. know, so I just thought it was interesting that this particular highway that was numbered Route 666 had all these weird stories and accidents happening on it. Runs through a part of a tribal land that has a legend of a warrior chief battling great evil ones. You know, so uh, back in 2004, they actually changed the number of the highway to 491. They brought a Navajo medicine man out to bless the ceremony and bless the remembering. And it was an entire entire process. Really fascinating story, and it used to run all the way down from Utah to the border, but from Utah to the border, they changed it to 191 or something like that. So it was only changed to 491 back in 2004. But they're, you know, they were getting pressured from the tribe, like a lot of people don't want to ride on this highway because yeah. they think it's bad luck and all this other stuff. But I just, I decided I wanted to make the, the video this is the one video on YouTube that tells the history of the Devil's Highway from the highway itself, from the entire route. Because I'm in New Mexico, I'm in Colorado, and I'm in Utah. And it was just such a fun trip for me. And I felt, I, I, I felt like I really told its story. That's why it's personally satisfying to me. Yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. That's good. And I love hearing people keep the history alive. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's why I wish I could actually. Because they say on YouTube, if you can put out one new video a week, you're doing well. Sometimes that's tough with my genre because mm -hmm. my genre 
uh, this field of paranormal research requires so much research. It does. So you can't really pop on out every new every week and you know something new because it takes. I, w I don't want to be discredited and I don't want to be counter. Like, oh, that's inaccurate because of this. Yeah. That's why I do my research and it may take me a little time, but in, in the end, I'm pleased with my work. Yeah. You know, I, every one of my videos have on there. Maybe I don't like my haircut, but everything else, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with. Yeah. And you can't, you can't rush it because when you do, then. You're glazing over maybe some really interesting information about that particular subject or location that, you know, like for us, we would rather take the time and have good content mm -hmm. than just rush out a show and just exactly. be like, here, we're just going to throw this out. Because you don't have staying power or or longevity when when you just... Create fluff content yeah. is what I call it. Exactly. And you know? Yeah, because the, the listener or the watcher, they can tell. Yeah. They can tell that it's in, and that's what separates the people that are just trying to pump stuff out to be, I'm the influencer, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you can tell there are quality dozens, content. But when you get somebody with a quality content like yours. Thank you. You know, you're going to have lasting power and staying power and preserve the history. Right. I mean, yeah. especially the field, the paranormal field has so many Johnny come lately to just want to be the next, you know, and they fake their videos. Sometimes oh, it's so yeah. obvious, it's horrible, it's painful to watch. It's like you're doing this because you want to pose on camera because you, people watch this now, people are more into the paranormal now, and you're just trying to like hop on a bandwagon, but you don't have any real respect for the field. Yeah. You know? For sure. You know, that that's the, the tough part because people don't always take you seriously when mm. they see content like that. Like, people. It, it makes it hard for true investigators who really want to come in and help people. Say, if you have a residential case, you know, they, those people think you're going to come in and be like the television shows and get all this activity. It may take months, mm -hmm. months and months of going in and trying to cleanse something. Or Exactly. exactly. That's yeah. what I, I've told people because part of the paranormal research that I find so fascinating is how to protect your home, how to defend yourself against uh, negative, whatever you want to call it, negative activity, negative spirits. Um, I don't really like to use the term demon personally, you know, yeah, yeah. not saying they're not out there. I right. just, I don't like to use the term personally. <clears throat> but I find the old world techniques of defending yourself against these uh, kind of activity fascinating and I've seen them work. Yeah. You know, I've, yeah. my personal experience, you know, um, so that's what I kind of want to bring to it as well. Can you share some of your personal experience? Like, have you had paranormal activity happen? Have you seen things you can't explain? Uh, the mo one of the more recent ones, this took place about a year and a half ago. I think around 2019. And it was someplace, you know, you can go as well and, you know, pay the fee and take the tour. And I, didn't think, I did not expect it to happen. So, uh, Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. Have you been there? No. Okay. I went to Las Vegas and I didn't go because nobody would go with me and I wasn't going by myself because yeah. if I faint and hit my head or something, yeah, I'll I have mean, nobody here to pick me up off the floor. I can't, I can't say that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you been? No, I haven't. Okay. If next time you're in Vegas, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. It's just a fascinating tour all the way around. So the way it came about is I wanted to take the tour. And I knew a woman in Las Vegas who has a YouTube channel also. She has a huge following. 
and I was always messaging her on, on Instagram about different things. And she's she's more like a road trip girl. She has no interest in paranormal, yeah. but she's really funny to watch, and we still chat all the time. And I said, well, hey, since you live in Vegas, are you familiar with the museum? You know, would you like to take the tour? And then we talked about it afterwards, and she's like, I live down the street from that museum. Oh, uh-huh. my God. I drive by it all the time, and she's like, I've always kind of wondered about it. She goes, I think this would be a good idea. I'm like, cool. So I fly out to Vegas. I meet up with her there, and she's like, cool, you ready? I'm like, yeah. Now, they don't let you film inside the museum, yeah. which is understandable. And this was in the month of October. It was early October because we both planned. It was a collab. She would release her video mine. We both do it, like, on Halloween. So that's why we went out there in early October. So they had some Halloween decorations up outside. So we're waiting to go in with our group because you go in with a group of like eight to ten people at once, okay. and it's like nonstop. There's people lining up all day long there, so it's really it gets five stars on Yelp, the whole nine yards, and the tour is totally worth it. I mean, afterwards, uh, she even said that she's not into the paranormal, but she found it really interesting just from historically uh, the items in there. So uh, the tour guide comes out, the girl comes out, she says, "Okay, we can go over to the other side of the house." Oh, prior before I get into this part. Um, so, uh, my, two of my sisters, I have five older sisters, so two of my sisters had given me these bracelets to wear, um, like a couple months prior. One was a Benedictine bracelet or from St. Benedict, and the St. Benedict prayer is one that's often used in exorcisms, along with many others, some along with the St. Michael's prayer. But St. Benedict or Benedictine bracelet is like one of those key prayers. The other bracelet you've probably seen, it's called an All Saints bracelet. Yeah. It's little wood uh, pictures yeah. on wood. So I was wearing the Benedictine bracelet on my left wrist and the All Saints bracelet on my right. So I'm like, okay, you know, going in this place, I'm not taking any chances, <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm wearing them and the tour guy takes us around to the opposite side of the house. And she said, out here, if you want to take pictures and video, that's fine. I'm like, okay. So she's talking and they had these two creepy looking scarecrows with pumpkin heads set up just outside the house. I'm like, okay, those are cool. So I went up to film them with my phone for B-roll, right? So I'm walking up to them, and they're just, you know, I'm like maybe I'm even this far from the house, about three, not three feet from the house while I'm filming this. As I'm getting closer to these uh, scarecrows, my wrists start to heat up. Oh. Both of my wrists. And I'm like, what the hell? And then it hit me. I was wearing those bracelets. Yeah. I wasn't even inside that house yet, and something that was already reacting to the religious aspect of those bracelets. And when it dawned on me, I'm like, right now thinking about it, I got chills. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And I didn't say anything to the girl because I knew she, we, the tour was just starting, so I really couldn't say anything. I'm like, okay, I'll just hold off on it. So the tour itself is about an hour and a half, give or take, maybe a little longer. And it's really interesting. They keep moving because so many people show up there, they keep moving around. They show you what's going to be. They say certain rooms, you got to sign a waiver to take the tour in the first place. Yeah. You know, um, and there's certain rooms where, like, you don't have to go in there. It's your choice if you want to go in there. We're not going to force you. But this is what's going on in there. And, you know, you have Bella Lugosi's mirror in there. They say people start to cry when they look into it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it. I didn't cry or anything, but it's like, you know, the buildup and everything. Because a lot of these items you've heard of, you know, a lot of them from serial killers. Charles Manson, John Wayne Gacy, uh, Ted Bundy, their actual items, are like their glasses, their clothes, all these personal items that they own, and the energy that they must have held on to, you know, is insane. But throughout the entire tour, off and on, my wrists were heating up. And it wasn't the bracelets, it was my skin around my bracelets. It was like, I describe it as like embers from a fire when they land in your skin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
imagine a bunch of those just landing on your wrists. Okay. Both your wrists. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> so I've told people there is something, you know, definitely in that house, probably more than one thing. And they have the actual Dybbuk box in there. And they, they put sage and everything around the Dybbuk box in its own separate room. And the whole place to me, uh, the whole building to me smelled like burnt sage. You know, and some of the sage there wasn't burnt by the people that worked there. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was the most recent where it's like, whoa, this this is real, you know. And I didn't go in advertising, like, oh, I'm wearing these bracelets. I didn't say that to anybody. I was just, the bracelets I was wearing. And I feel they had, like, an even little more power to them as far as protective because they were given to me by my sisters. Yeah. And now I don't go anywhere. Well, I, I came to this. I, I don't have them with me now because I, I wasn't going to go anywhere like that here. But now if I know I'm going to go into someplace serious like that, you know, because I want to take the tour again. They have more stuff now, different stuff, but I'm definitely taking my bracelets with me. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go in like Wonder Woman. Like, <laughs> boom, bulletproof bracelets. For sure. You know, I wish you had more time in Michigan because there are some amazing, so amazing places here. I heard about the uh, the Eloise Asylum. Yes. yes. You know, why I want to go there, why that's funny to me is I have a sister named Eloise. Okay, I, w- I would give her so much crap about it. <laughs> I told you you're crazy. They named him You're the Santa yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, this whole, like, Midwest area is, like, a hotbed for paranormal, UFO, like, cryptids, yeah. elementals. It's, and it seems like you have reformatories everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, they filmed a show there, and they filmed a show there. <laughs> you know? The interesting thing is, though, when you get from... Michigan down Detroit into Toledo where we're from in Ohio and up through Cleveland it's all limestone and underneath Detroit Toledo and Cleveland are salt mines the salt mines run all the way from Detroit to Cleveland and people don't really realize this but you know you've got the water of the Great Lakes you've got the salt mines and you have a lot of limestone and quartz all in this area so it's kind of like an energetic type so basically out to the universe like so basically the whole state is one the whole state of michigan and ohio is one giant transistor radio yeah pretty much wow that's cool yeah and i've heard that about limestone as well yeah and you can go into those salt flats in cleveland they let you go down there that would be cool. We haven't, but it would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, if you're ever in New Mexico, check out Carlsbad Caverns. Okay. Not so much a paranormal reason. It's just really cool to go down there. It's it's endless. Those caverns are endless. Um, and what's cool also, it's like every uh, during a certain time of the year, uh, every day when the sun goes down, thousands upon thousands of bats fly oh, out of this one particular wow. cavern. And it's just endless. You just see an endless array of bats come up. We didn't have enough time to stick around that day to watch him, but I, I would love to go back that and see. That would be amazing. Like a, it looked like a tornado of bats wow. coming out. So interesting. Yeah, we, we've we had few experiences with bats. Like, we were in uh, <laughs> West Virginia Penitentiary. Yes. And we were just talking about this a couple of days, how we stand in the doorway, and the bats just go in and out right over your head, you know. I was used to them. If, you know, at first you're like, huh, but... They're used to people. We're used to that, yeah. you know, and they're not going to hit you or that, but it's just kind of creepy having them fly over. Yeah, and you know, everyone everyone goes to, everyone is filmed at West Virginia Penitentiary. I feel like I'm not one of the cool kids because <laughs> I haven't gone there yet, you know? You have to go. 
Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, directly across the street is this Native American burial mound. Wow. And that's why they named it Moundsville because the whole area was full of, you know, the, the Indians in Ohio built these mounds as sacred sites. So they tore most of them down to build these prisons. So you, got oh, a, man. you have a prison built on top of sacred ground, right? And then right across the street is this, I mean, I don't know, what is it, 40 feet high, 50 feet high? Yeah. Mound, still with artifacts and, and um, you know, burials in there. But that prison, I got an attachment in that prison Ooh. that I had to have a shaman come and detach from. It, it was so strange because it didn't happen right away. It wasn't like something jumped into me. It was a gradual progression for like two weeks. It took two weeks to almost manifest. It felt like something was inside me just like pulling me down. I can't explain it. It was like something inside me. Yeah. Like, all the time. We, like, that's so how it was uh, when I was at the Haunted Museum. Mm-hmm. They have one little room where you go in. They're like, it's up to you if you want to go in there. It's a little closet. You walk in, you walk out. And they had a skull there of a guy from somewhere in Eastern Europe. I've got the whole story, but basically he was like, uh, he was very evil. And he died and they buried him, but the townspeople were so afraid of how evil he was, they dug him back up, mm-hmm. cut off his head, and sent his head off somewhere. Uh. And Zach Bagans ended up with it and puts it on his shelf in his museum. So I go in there and look at it, and the moment I laid eyes on it, I felt like something like, not a punch, but an impact inside my chest. It was the weirdest thing. So I, I get yeah. what you're saying. It's like, yeah. when you experience these things, it's hard to put into words, because yeah. it's, it's not an everyday feeling anyone could really relate to you know like if you hit your knee yeah everyone could relate to that but something inside you that doesn't feel physical but you feel it yeah that's gonna that's a little tough to get across but i was gonna say uh i think it would be for me to go to uh moundsville Moundsville penitentiary for me personally i think it would be kind of a double whammy not only because i'm native american um chicksaws in the house Uh, (laughs) not only because i'm native american but I was also a correctional officer at a state oh, prison for five okay. years, wow. Arizona Department of Corrections. And I've been doing the paranormal research now uh, pretty much hardcore for the last two years, but I've yet to investigate at a prison, at an abandoned penitentiary. And I've been wondering, because I was a correctional officer, yeah. if the spirits of the inmates would pick up on that. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. They know everything. You know? They Yeah. It's so interesting because... We're good friends with um, the people that run Ohio State Reformatory, or Mansfield, that's better known as. And that place, they, you know, people who were former guards and former inmates, you know, come in, and those spirits pick up on it. They know. They know law enforcement. (laughs) It's very interesting, the activity that happens around people who, you know, wear the badge. So I could be in for some... uh Something's unique. Yeah. Great, great. <laughs> you know, why do I sign myself up? Yeah. My, my as mom, long as you keep the cameras rolling, that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because it was funny. I, there was one, um, it was a show Zach Bagans did, but he had like different paranormal groups try out. It was kind of like there was a different place each episode yeah. and different groups were vying to win for that episode, whichever. And in one group, it was like a girl and two guys, and the two guys were former CEOs, and they sent him into a prison. 
And so the guys were like, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's round them up like we would. Yeah. And these guys, when, and I could tell, because I did it for five years, I can tell they were the real deal. Yeah. Because the way they went in there, it's like, okay, get up, let's move, let's go. And I started laughing because, like, I did the same damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was a jerk. You know, I was like, I was yeah. not popular with the inmates because I was very strict and, like, by the book, and you guys follow the rules. And so you're telling a group of people that don't follow rules because that's why they're there to suddenly follow rules. So there's going to be that conflict. So that's why I'm like, I'm both eager and hesitant to investigate at a prison. Yeah. And it's one of the most violent prisons out there. Yeah. They actually, it was strange because we went in the basement or in the, not I shouldn't say the basement, in the mess hall. And there was a water fountain on each side of the room. One had a white drain tube on it the other one had a black drain tube on it and up to the time that they closed it it was still segregated seriously yeah, yeah. And what when did they close it i think 85 so it was segregated up until mm-hmm. 1985 yeah crazy wow yeah. i mean so- working in the prison you see the inmates uh segregated but the thing is the inmates do that themselves yeah. you know the administration is like you guys, whoever you want to hang with, as long yeah. as you don't try and escape. We don't care who you hang out with. And it's like, I've uh, I've run a chow hall myself to where, like, the whole unit was locked down, but the t- two inmates that had to be outside, it was their turn to eat. So they're like, okay, send them to chow hall so they eat. And usually in a chow hall, it's always segregated by race. Well, these two inmates, the white inmates sat where the white inmates normally sit, and the black inmates sat where the black inmates normally sit. And they were the only two guys in the chow hall. They're oh. like 60 feet apart. Yeah. Then they went back to work together because they had a job to do. But it's even when nobody else is around, they still follow their own rules that they lay down. Did you ever experience any paranormal activity while you were working as a correction officer? Uh, me, personally, but... No, but I did have some friends who did experience something because where I worked at in Phoenix, it was located in downtown Phoenix, and we basically processed the inmates and shipped them on to their permanent unit. Now, right down the street from us, uh, there was an old resort, a huge laid-out resort that had gone out of business years before, like back in the early 80s, and they converted that to a, a, a women's prison. So they had female inmates there, and they had the outside perimeter uh, sign lined and everything else. And uh, you're supposed to take a rake through sand on the outside perimeter to make sure, you know, if there's any footprints, they show up. So we do that at the beginning of every shift. And one of the guys I worked with, he used to work there and before he transferred over. And he said, he goes, Eric, he goes, I, I kid you not. He goes, I'm out there one time, and I'm in the, you know, um, uh, the ring, I forgot what we called it, but where he was doing the raking, mm-hmm. you know, and the officer in the control room gets on the radio. He's like, hey, Wilmers. He's like, what? Who are you out there with? He's like, what? He's like, who's walking with you in the sand? And he's like, nobody. I'm out here by myself. He's like, what are you talking about? And he said another time he was in the control room, he saw it himself to where the officer is taking the rake through the sand and they see somebody walking alongside them. Wow. You know, and there was another story because it used to be a resort way back in the day. There was a story um, that it was there was a great, a huge fire there, and this woman and her daughter, I believe, or her family, uh, died in the fire. And inmates and officers had seen like ghosts, like going up the stairs of a woman and her daughter, or a little girl, you know, or of a little girl by herself. Yeah. So um, definitely, I would love to investigate the prison for those reasons. And just, you know, again, 
the Native American aspect for me. Uh, I worked one in five years, and then just what happens there all by itself. Because there was uh, one prison, I can't think of the name of it, because uh, John E.L. Kenny uh, had a TV series called Ghost Stalkers. Yeah. And they were in one prison called the Dome, uh, the murder dome or something and it was a unique oh. design and it was circular yeah and it was like it was just, it looked like something out of a post-apocalyptic future the way this the look the layout of this place but they talked to the officers there and they and one officer said you know he goes when i worked because the prison was already closed down at this point and he's like but when i worked here he said i would tell them i would tell my co-workers if i am stabbed here if i looks like i'm gonna die drag me out of here. I don't want my spirit trapped in this dome. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I don't care yeah. if I'm bleeding out. Drag my body so I die outside of this place. Yeah. That's scary. Now, do you think the, the living or the dead are scarier? Which one's scarier? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say probably the living. You know, I think the, the dead, for the most part, would just want to talk to us. Yeah. You know, just, they have, I mean, if they haven't moved on, you know, because my personal views of of the afterlife are kind of a mix of different beliefs and backgrounds and a little bit of everything. But if they haven't really moved on to their greater reward and maybe they're down here for whatever reason, they would want to communicate, I think, in some way. So I think they would want to communicate with us. Um, and people, yeah, definitely people can be scarier. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, you got that with the ghosts as well because if they were a good person in, in life, they'd be a good person, you know, looking out for you. Um, same if they were bad. You know, this is going to be a bad person to begin with. What's the most oblique moment you ever had in dealing with something paranormal? Um, hmm. There have been a couple of them since I started with my channel. Um, I guess one, and I, I just, it, when it happened, I was already editing the video. Um, well, there was two. One was a funny one. One was like, ooh, kind of made me nervous. But the funny one is, it's a real short story. I went on a ghost tour in Virginia City. And went to this one area behind a back alley, and the tour guide told us everything. This is Roger, you know, he's here. We, he was killed and gunned down, whatever, uh, in a story. And she had an EVP recorder out, and we're talking to him through the EVP recorder. You can hear the voices, and you can hear other voices in the background of his voice. That was unusual. So at one point, and it's in the video, uh, she closes it out, and I go, uh, uh, Thank you for talking to us, Roger. Uh, good night. And a couple of seconds later, you hear this, good night. Yeah. He said good night back to me. And everybody, it's, it's on the video. They're like, oh, man, that was good night. I love those moments. So there was, that was an intentional, you know, looking mm -hmm. for an EVP. Then I had one that was um, unintentional, and it, it, I didn't even know it, it popped up there. I'm not even, even sure you can call it an EVP because it was more, well, what had happened, uh, in Los Angeles, there's Griffith Park. And it's one of the largest... Uh, parks in the country. It's like 4,300 acres. The place is massive. And uh, there's different spots in the park that are haunted. And people always talked about it. And people made videos here and there about the different hot spots. And again, like with uh, the Devil's Highway, no one had made a video about the entire thing and all its stories in one video. So I'm like, no one's done that for Griffith Park. I want to do that for Griffith Park. And the, I won't give away the whole thing in video because it's, it's on there. But the short version is originally the land that Griffith Park sits on, it's cursed. The short version is the guy that owned it was swindled out of his land on his deathbed and his family got nothing. So his niece cursed the land and anybody who had anything to do with the deal. 
And I go into more detail in the video, but anybody who had anything financial stake in that land after a guy's death for 30 years had the worst luck, lost it, lost all their money. Uh, they were killed. So much bad luck went along with this land. So until finally the final guy that owned it, uh, Griffith, Jay Griffith, uh, who the park is named after, he had his own bad luck with it, and he finally like, you know what, I'm just going to donate it to the city. And again, I'll go to wait. There's stories there itself. Um, I'm just trying to shorten it. Uh, so one of the prevailing stories, so I, I started with the video like, okay, this is why they say the land is cursed. So I, I complete that story, and then the rest of the video is the different hotspots in the park. And one of them, you can even Google it, uh, picnic table number 29. Okay. And Griffith Park, you can even just to Google that, picnic table number 29, and you'll see all the stories come up. So the story behind that is that in 1978, there was a, it's a picnic table in Griffith Park, and in 1978, this young couple were fooling around on top of this picnic table. The tree next to it collapsed and fell on them, crushed them. Okay, so uh, the bodies were removed. Now, there has been some debate, because I found an uh, article in the LA Times about, that came out like 15 years ago, kind of detailing the whole story. And even then, you can't really tell if it was a joke article, okay. but there is some debate as to if that really happened. Right, so I went out there and went, this is a good story, I'll include it in my video. So I went out there with a friend of mine, and she filmed me, and I'm, I'm talking about the story. And with the challenge with YouTube is to find something new or put a new perspective on something people have done before. You know, you always want that different angle. So my friend was going to pick me up that morning. We were going to go out there, and I'm researching up until the last minute. And I found two things. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'll, I'll put these two in it. So um, one of them is that the tree is still laying across the table and hasn't been moved in all these years. And it also hasn't rotted. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, Flowers still grow from it, and leaves still grow from it. Uh, the table itself, there's like this five-foot tree that comes out from underneath the table that grew up on, on its own. So there is some debate as to whether it's really haunted. But they, people say it's haunted by the young couple. And they've had like, you know, a choking sensation. They've seen red eyes in the darkness. They've heard whispers, get out, you know, in the middle of the night. And all, uh, all Some of the stories, it's like, it's hard to believe which could be true, but there's yeah. so many about this table. I'm like, I got to include it. You know, so my friends told me, and the other uh, thing I thought to include is someone had a theory about why that happened uh, to that couple. So there is a term, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, or if you have, because uh, it was the first time I heard of it, uh, ghost brood. Hmm. Now, no, I have never heard of that. Now, I, I found this term, and it was in relation to this location, to this table. A, go a brood is like a group or a pack of something, right? So a ghost brood, the theory is a ghost brood uh, feed its several ghosts that feed off human energy. And there's two types, roaming and bound. Now, a, a roaming brood will follow you wherever you go until you take the steps to, like, detach yourself yeah, from it. Yeah, cleanse yourself from it. A bound spirit brood is, stays in one location. So if you're there, you're going to be uh, bothered by it. But if you leave, it won't follow you. It'll just go dormant unless it's disturbed. And what could possibly disturb a ghost brood like two people fooling around in the, on sure. a table, maybe? Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, okay, this is an interesting angle to add. So I tell this very same story in the video. I'm standing right in front of the table. I didn't touch it. Okay. I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> right? right. So, but I'm standing and I was very respectful to the area. I even talked to the tree. I said, we're only going to be here a couple of minutes. We mean no disrespect. 
you know, um, we're not going to touch anything. I even saw some trash somebody left on the ground. I picked it up and I walked over 100 feet to a trash can and threw it away just so the place wasn't dirty. So I'm standing there talking. I tell the story and it's in the video. I kept it in the video. Uh, and in the video, you'll see it. The moment I start talking, the moment I say ghost brood, something goes through my camera. Now, I didn't have all the equipment I have now. I was actually just filming it with my cell phone. Mm-hmm. You know, my friend was holding it. And you hear this, like, the, the audio goes out. It's like a weird whoosh. And then, like, for the few seconds I'm, ta- I'm talking about it, the audio is out. You can't hear what I'm saying. So I didn't know this as we were filming it. So I'm home that night. I'm editing the footage. And I, edit that, I cut that part. And I go to play it back. And the audio goes out. I'm like, oh, man, I messed it up somehow. So I went back to the unedited portion that I hadn't touched watched it again and it was on there and I'm like so debate people can debate if that story is true but for some reason something took out the audio when I began speaking about a ghost brood so I left it in the video so if you watch the video it's uh, picnic table number 29 and it goes into the whole detail so that was one of my oblique moments and I was like at home by myself (laughs) and I, I see my friend at work the next day I'm like we caught something and she's like oh bs you know yeah. she's like she didn't believe me because she's kind of borderline skeptical anyway and i played it for her on my phone she's like oh crap i'm like <laughs> yes <laughs> we love it we love those moments we're like yes. what just happened exactly exactly <laughs> it's it's interesting you say that because like we were just talking earlier about when we're podcasting having paranormal activity happen while you're podcasting or recording so you know that's just really interesting that you said that that something happened on your because you know we think the spirits are attracted to the you know anything electrical i think they're curious about it like can i get energy out of that give me a little of that energy you know exactly or try to communicate yeah you know it's their it's their opportunity to communicate you know and maybe that's what they were just trying when they came through my phone you know because uh, I had just started my YouTube channel. I didn't have all the fancy camera equipment yet. I was filming everything. Like most YouTubers, I started using my phone, you know, and maybe they just wanted to communicate with me. You know, that could have been it as well. So, but when you, at the old bleep moment, you don't think about communication. You just think, oh, bleep. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we live for those moments. Mm-hmm. It's so great. But, you know, we really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. Wish you all the best of success. And if you ever are in Michigan, Ohio, please look us up. We will take you to all the haunted locations. That's great. Haunted prisons, haunted schools. We have we have the connections, Eric. You just come on. We will take you there. I got my old uh, Department Corrections cap. I'll wear it. Yes, you know, for I'll, sure. Okay, now 100%. if I get possessed, okay, my mother's going to be very upset with both of you. I'm just saying, like, yes, you know, don't front. bring anything home. <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah, I follow all the... Uh, oh, I do have one more story. Yes, if, absolutely. If that's okay. Uh, uh, it's actually, it would just kind of prove to me, because I always find fascinating how you defend yourself against negative spirits and this, how it came about, was like it was like a subtle way to let me know this stuff works. So I'll keep, I'll keep the story real short. Oh, but um, so I was getting like a Lyft ride home one night, like Uber. Lyft. Yeah. So I was getting a Lyft ride home one night, and I was talking to the kid that was driving, telling about my channel. And we're talking about those stuff, and he's like, "Well, I know my channel. I, he goes, I know my apartment's haunted." And I'm like, "Oh, really? How?" And so he gave me a couple of examples. I'm like, "Okay." And I had my backpack with me, and I had some pen and paper with me, and I said, "If you like, I can write down a list of things you can get." You know, to put around your home as like kind of a barrier to defend, to protect your home, to keep those things out. 
And he's like, okay. And so I'm writing them down. I'm telling him what they are and what they do. And I could tell up to this point while I'm talking, you know, he was a nice kid, but I can kind of tell he wasn't totally believing me. He yeah, was kind of like being yeah. polite and like yeah. kind of going with it until, okay, I had my mic drop moment. And when I didn't realize I was going to have a mic drop moment. <laughs> I'm just, you know, your, your geeky paranormal YouTuber guy writing down those things. I go, oh, I said, um, an iron. I go, it goes back old, very old folklore, hundreds of years to Scotland and Ireland. Uh, when they were worried about evil spirits and changelings, they would put iron, uh, like nails or um, railroad ties, above doorways and windows, and even in cribs, because they were worried about changeling fairies stealing babies out and switching them with a fairy, stealing children. So they would put iron in the crib. You know, I said, so you can get a nail and put it And when I was explaining this to him, I saw his eyes just open up wide up, and I literally saw all the color drain from oh, his face. No. The moment I said Why that. he's driving. And so he told me, that's when he told me that when he and his girlfriend had moved into that apartment just a few months prior, whoever had lived in there before them had put nails above all the doorways and windows. Oh, okay. And he had no idea, like, why anybody would do that, so he took them all down. And I'm like, let me guess. All the haunted <laughs> stuff started. And he's, like, like swallowing, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, so I go, and I'm sure we all bump into that with people that aren't into this. Yeah. If you're not into this, if you're not familiar with this, you're not going to be aware of what that's about. So he inadvertently opened up his home to these spirits. So I'm like, okay, just, you know, do these steps. You can get these items at like any grocery store or at a Home Depot. They're not expensive. You know, you can take these steps and read this article and it would help you. He's like, and all of a sudden, my little list became the most important document he ever read. Yeah. I mean, he was like staring like a hole through it. He's like, okay. And then a few weeks later, I posted a video and he commented on like, hey, Eric, it's so-and-so. I just want to tell you, thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it, man. And then I felt like Dr. Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts. Like, ah, Constantine, and, you know, it's the work I do. So That's amazing. And if anybody wanted to watch your videos, where would they go? Um, I'm on YouTube at Wildcard Journeys. Uh, Instagram, I'm Wildcard underscore Journeys. And I just it's just a, a guy hitting the road going to all the places that my parents wouldn't let me go to. <laughs> so it's really like rebelling against my parents right now. That's awesome. Well, we thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This and is we would great. love to hear more if you ever want to come back on the podcast. I would love to. Yeah. That would be great. Thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you. I Take appreciate care. it. And thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Once again, as we say, always please, please, please go up to our website, buy a bunch of T-shirts, show us some love, and check out Eric's YouTube channel. It is awesome. And thank you for listening this week. We're going to leave you with some music from Dead and Five. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>